millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 16th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a small hospital reopens in the Mississippi Delta, even as crises compound within the state's medical system. Then the Environmental Protection Agency visits Jackson. And a medical marijuana activist talks special session, or lack thereof, and the future of cannabis in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Education and eliminating Mississippi's income tax are at the top of Governor Tate Reeves' budget agenda for the upcoming fiscal year. MPB's Desiree Frazier reports. The governor says improving educational attainment is a critical part of bolstering Mississippi's economy now and into the future. He's proposing a $1,300 teacher pay raise for next year and $1,000 increases for the following two years to attract and retain instructors. He says the increase will make Mississippi salaries more competitive with other states. This $3,300 raise, which the first year will cost approximately $71 million, will result in Mississippi going from 37th nationally to 21st. Reeves' educational proposals also include $3 million for math coaches and another $2 million for computer science training for teachers. Another agenda item phased out the state's income tax over five years, eliminating the 4% bracket next year. Reeves says it's necessary to compete with neighboring states like Tennessee. He uses DeSoto County as an example where he says the population is growing. When you talk to the economic developers up there, you talk to the business leaders up there, they truly believe that our population growth would be significantly more if we weren't competing literally across the state line with a state that had no income tax. The governor notes the state's overall population declined from 2013 to 2019, and attracting people will help grow the economy. Reeves is also allocating funds for workforce development broadband, and $5 million to double the number of Capitol Police officers 
to 150. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Coming up, one rural county bucks a statewide trend and reopens its hospital. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Over the past few years, an alarming number of medical providers in the Mississippi Delta have closed their doors under financial strain. But last week, rural Quitman County took a meaningful step to help reverse that trend. After having gone five years without a hospital, the county unveiled a new facility that will provide emergency care for Quitman's approximately 7,000 residents. Quentin Whitwell, who's CEO of Panola Medical Center, will oversee the new hospital's operations. When the county lost its hospital, it lost 100 employees. But it also lost its economic development engine because, as you know, without a hospital and a county, many industries are just not going to come there. So it's been very devastating to the county. The county has lost a lot of population. They have not been able to recruit industries. And because of the reopening of the hospital, we foresee Quitman County getting back on its feet in many ways, including some housing projects that are being developed as well as industrial opportunities that before weren't there. Quitman County is not only one of the poorest counties in Mississippi, but in the entire country. So with that help you've just talked about, can it be maintained because rural hospitals have really suffered over the last five to 10 years, many of them closing. You are correct. Rural hospitals have taken a beating over the last five years or so. And it is unfortunate that there has not been more attention to rural hospitals. I believe that with the COVID-19 pandemic, many people realize now that it's not just for urban areas to have good health care. Many people think they can go to specialists 30, 45 minutes down the road. And in some ways, that is still beneficial for the bigger systems to provide specialty services. But your day-to-day routine Healthcare still needs to be provided at the local level. And with COVID-19, many people have seen the influx of patients that have flooded the bigger hospital systems and getting care right at home has been instrumental in saving many lives. For me, rural healthcare is a passion. It is something that I have dedicated myself to over recent years and Along with my partners, Dr. Kenneth Williams and Mr. Papa Mukherjee, we have reintroduced a vitality to rural health care. We turned Panola Medical Center around from a $7 million annual loss to a profit, and we intend to do the same in other areas, including in March, Mississippi. Quitman County 
with a critical access hospital can be successful if properly managed and if uh, in tandem with Panola Medical Center, we are able to continue cost-saving measures uh, while providing good care. Clitman County has under 7,000 residents. That's for the whole county. And Marks, where the hospital is located, has under 2,000 population. You had about 100 employees that lost their jobs when the hospital closed. Are you getting 100 people back in that hospital, or is it going to be building back up? So we have 71 employees already out of the gate for the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week coverage, different people working different shifts. We are very pleased that many people who worked in that facility in years past came back. We definitely are still looking for more providers, including nurses, which there is a major shortage in Mississippi, to come back and to help there. We were very pleased, however, by the number of people that out of the gate came back. And we're very thankful that the county realized the value of this hospital and that it stepped up in assisting in getting the financing to reopen the facility. Is the hospital for emergency care only, or do you see patients going to see doctors on a regular basis? What, what is the overall plan and future for the hospital? The overall plan is to utilize the critical access model of 25 beds. Those patients will be able to be maintained in our med surge facility, and ultimately we will add swing beds to the program. The emergency room is definitely going to be the biggest driver. There is a local clinic next door that we will work in tandem with. There are other outlying areas around the community that we believe that clinics are needed for, but also we will be providing specialty services, specifically in the area of cardiology and physical therapy, as well as intensive outpatient programs. So there are many extra services that this hospital will provide. And, of course, you have your radiology laboratory and pharmacy there uh, with the respiratory therapist. So there are a number of things that we will be providing and are providing now that we have reopened. Quentin Whitwell is the CEO and chairman of the board for Panola Medical Center and now the reopened Quitman County Hospital. Thank you very much for all the good information. Thank you for having me, and thank you for putting a spotlight on rural health care. Coming up, the EPA visits Jackson. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. President Biden signed into law yesterday a trillion-plus-dollar infrastructure deal. Mississippi stands to receive about $4.4 billion from the package. That will include funding for roads and bridges, broadband, airports, and even electric car chargers. In the capital city of Jackson, though, one issue reigned supreme. Here's city resident Derek Purnell. The main thing we have in, in Mississippi is water problems. Uh, we're having to boil water five to six times a year during the winter months. People are 
ordering bottled water. The, the bottled water industry has flew sky high. People are having flooding problems. It's, it's issues that we need to address uh, from the Biden administration to get this taken care of. It's unclear exactly how many of the approximately half a billion dollars allotted to address drinking water problems in Mississippi will ultimately end up in Jackson. But in a tweet yesterday, Mayor Shokwe Antarlamumba said he's excited for what the funding could mean for the city. I'm hopeful that Jackson and other cities will begin to feel relief from the broken systems we've inherited, he wrote. This effort to build back better is imperative to the dignity of our residents. During a visit to Jackson yesterday, Michael Regan, who leads the Environmental Protection Agency, urged similar optimism, but he also noted the grim realities of Jackson's water as currently constituted. Listen, I'm excited to be here in Jackson today visiting with the mayor. Uh, the superintendent, uh, the principal of Wilkins Elementary School. You know, I was hoping to walk down the halls and see a bunch of children learning and having a good time, maybe a little bit of recess. But, you know, the kids have been relocated to another school today because of low water pressure, uh, which is interesting because that's part of the reason that I'm here in Jackson, uh, to talk with uh, city leadership about how the president's Build Back Better agenda is relevant to real issues facing real communities. The bipartisan infrastructure deal and the billions of dollars that EPA will receive uh, to work with states to help with water infrastructure is needed now more than ever. And so we're here today on the ground talking with our local leaders about the solutions, real solutions that are needed so that we ensure that the resources go to the places that are most needed. At present, Jackson is being sued by a number of city residents who allege they and their children have been exposed to unsafe levels of lead in drinking water. Lead poisoning is linked to a number of long-term negative developmental health outcomes. Thus far, the suit has garnered limited national attention, but it's been described by some as reminiscent of another notorious lead-in-water scandal. Regan says his agency is eager to avoid those comparisons. No community should ever have to deal with what Flint, Michigan has had to deal with. I've been on the ground in Flint, Michigan. I've been on the ground in Chicago. I've been on the ground in Detroit, and I'm here in Chicago. Leadership matters. We've learned some lessons from Flint. We're trying to get ahead of it. Uh, The difference now is you have an EPA administrator and an administration that's focused on these inequities. But we know we can't solve it alone, and that's why I'm here in Jackson. That's why I'm here with the mayor. I, I need the partnerships. We need the partnerships to ensure that another Flint doesn't happen. Last night, shortly after Regan completed his tour of Jackson, the mayor's office placed the entire city under a boil water notice. Coming up, we talk medical marijuana with activist Angie Calhoun. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It's been a year of false hope for medical marijuana advocates in Mississippi. This May, Ballot Initiative 65, which would have established a citizen-designed cannabis program in the state, was scuppered in Mississippi Supreme Court. Now, successful out-of-session legislative negotiations on a marijuana bill led by Representative Lee Yancey and Senator Kevin Blackwell seem to be all for naught. Disagreement between lawmakers and Governor Reeves 
over the specifics of dosing powers have all but eliminated optimism for a legislative special session on the issue. Few Mississippians have been more outspoken on medicinal cannabis than Angie Calhoun. She's founder and CEO of the Mississippi Cannabis Patients Alliance, which favors the establishment of a medical program in the state. Calhoun speaks with MPB's Desiree Fraser. My son is uh, 25 years old now, but at the age of 17, he developed chronic Lyme disease that caused a plethora of debilitating health conditions like seizure disorder, chronic nausea and vomiting, which caused him to lose a great deal of weight. And um, he also had severe joint pain as well. And so at the age of 19, he made the decision and, you know, of course, we as a family as well supported him that um, he after, you know, and he was on 17 prescription medicine. So they were not working. And so he decided that he wanted to move to Colorado. And um, I, st- I went out and stayed with him uh, for quite some time to make sure that he was OK. And once he you know, got that really in his system, he no longer had to take those 17 prescriptions and his quality of life returned with the use of medical cannabis every day. Well, the state legislature has agreed to pass a medical marijuana bill in a special session, but Mm -hmm. the governor has not called one and has said that he does not agree with medical providers who are not doctors being allowed to prescribe 3.5 grams. So that's a sticking point. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this special session probably not happening this year? I am so very, very disappointed in that. I had really high hopes because the governor gave us his word that he would call a special session. And Representative Lee Yancey and Senator Kevin Blackwell have done a tremendous job in producing a great great medical cannabis program that will work for the patients of this state. Both of those men have the heart of looking after their patients and doing what is right by their constituents. And for Governor Reeves to tell us months and months ago that he would call the special session if they came up with a good plan and that, you know, he would get that done for us. But now, I mean, he has waited and he has waited and waited and the patients continue to suffer and it's just not acceptable. I'm very disappointed and my heart just breaks for the people of the state, the patients of the state to continue to have to suffer the way that they are. Are you hearing from people that you're talking to about how they feel about it? Yes, I am. And, you know, and just repeatedly, I mean, from a patient standpoint, they're giving up hope. Many are like, we may have to move to another state. And, you know, our state is declining in population. Why do we want to make sick people have to leave our state when we could give them the relief that they need right here in Mississippi? You know, and it's like I said earlier, I mean, they either have the the choice to leave, the choice to suffer, or the choice to go to an illicit market. And those are unacceptable choices when our government could end this, and end this war that has been brought about on medical cannabis. This is medical cannabis that will help sick people. And it's just shameful. It's shameful what's going on 
to um, block a medical cannabis program. They have done a great job. I do not believe at all that there should be any changes in it. And it is way better than, than most programs nationally. Initiative 65, the state Supreme Court, as you know, overruled it because of how the ballot initiative was constructed. There are things similar in this bill to that, right? Especially in terms of grams. It is similar, but, um, you know, we're actually, you know, more restrictive than a lot of other states. Um, You know, I've heard some people want to compare us to Oklahoma, and um, I've done my research, and we are nowhere near what Oklahoma is. What is Oklahoma? Well, you know, it's kind of like they call it the Wild West. It is very open, and they do not have rules and regulations the way that we will have they um you know there's no caps on anything and the patients can potentially buy multiple ounces per day because they do not have a seat to sell tracking system on it which could prevent somebody from buying every day and so you know we actually will have that program implemented through the department of health and they will monitor um, how much product a person gets every day and so that I think is remarkable and and it is a um, safeguard that's been put in in there to keep people from over purchasing but you know we need to make sure that the sick people get what they need whenever they need it. Well Representative Yancey says they plan to bring it up in January at the start of the legislative session and there's enough support to pass it even if the governor were to veto it how does that make you feel i i do believe him and senator blackwell when they say that they're going to jump immediately on to passing this medical cannabis program and um i just i go back to i just wish our governor had stuck to his word and done what is best for the patients of Mississippi because, you know, even though that may, this regular session may only be seven or eight weeks away, that's seven or eight weeks that we have to watch our loved ones suffer when we could have already had a program up and running. And um, I, I just, I do ask all of our legislative leaders to please, please do what your constituents voted for and do what is right for the patients of Mississippi. And as soon as the regular session takes place, I'm asking, I'm begging of you for the patients of Mississippi to let's pass immediately the Mississippi Cannabis Act. Angie Calhoun is founder and CEO of the Mississippi Cannabis Patients Alliance. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.